Welcome to the Screen 17 Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Raymond Hogg, joined as ever by Rob Mullen. Hey, yo. And Eddie, Adventurous Emoji Bolton. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Hi. Um, every other week, we come to you with discussions, reviews, and takes on topics from screens large and small. This week, our main topic is going to be on the 2012 sci-fi comedy slash time travel caper, Men in Black 3. But before we get into that, let's catch up with the guys on what they've been watching. Eddie? Yeah, uh, so it's actually not that long since we recorded last. So, But I've managed to, just after we recorded the last show for Arrival, I stuck on um, Escape from New York, which I'd never seen before. Oh, nice. Uh, you actually watched it. <laughs> I actually watched it. It's a good, it's a good romp. Yeah, it's, it's good fun. Is it 80s glory? I'm... I do like these movies, but I can't remember which one's first. Is Escape from LA is first or Escape from New York? I think New, New York. York New York is first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and this is the one that um, there was that Guy Pierce movie where they were is it lockup? Um, there was like a prison in space and they had to escape from it. Yeah. And right. Yeah. The director of Escape from New York sued lockup or whatever that Guy Pierce movie was successfully for stealing the entire premise of the movie. Really. <laughs> really? <laughs> I yeah. didn't know that. I loved Lock Up. I thought it was great crack. I've never but seen Lock Up. It's really good fun, but mm. it is. I actually didn't even think realize um, it's John Carpenter. Obviously, obviously sued them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Escape from New York's good fun. It's it's definitely better than They Live. I know lots of people are gonna <laughs> hate me for saying that because They a Live is a cult classic. I'll have, I'll have no bad words said about They Live. It's still dreadful. It. It's a dreadful it's film. Great. Put on the glasses. <laughs> I've seen that fight. I mean, who hasn't seen that fight? Um, that's the only reason of, to watch. That's the only reason to watch. Yeah, I mean, there's a great, there's an amazing kind of sub context and social plot to be kind of taken from Day Live, but it's very very loose. Um, but Escape from New York. The only the only kind of weird Easter eggs I know about this has a tie into Metal Gear Solid, the video game, and it's the fact that the character's name in Escape from New York is Snake Plissken. Yes. Or something like that. And he's got the eye patch and he basically looks like Solid Snake. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's where they got the character from for the game. Yeah. yeah. But also, I didn't even mean to do it, but I, I saw Ernest Borgnine is in, or Borgnine is in um, Escape from New York. And then I just stuck on a random episode of The Simpsons afterwards. And it was the one with Ernest Borgnine in it. Where he plays, uh, he plays, he plays Ernest Borgnine doing a celebrity <laughs> appearance for a, a scout trip. Wow, for... a Swiss Army knife! I stole it from that Borgnine guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, that episode. Uh, hey, hey, Billy, I know your, I know your dad isn't with us anymore, so we got you a celebrity dad to go with you. <laughs> I, I think my brother would like it's Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, and then the, the the end, obviously, where Ernest Borgnine, where um, where he's looking for his trusty knife, and oh, the bear is coming up to him. <laughs> no, it's it's meant to be. It's meant to be Jason. No, the, bear, the bear is first. The bear is first, life. and yeah, then the end is Jason. The end yeah. is Jason. Yeah, you I never see Jason. This, uh, this abandoned camp. <laughs> you never see Jason, but you all you hear is. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant uh anything else yeah i've all i also watched it was the next night i watched the bridge on the river kwai which i'd never seen before and it's quite long really I, classic movie run here i yeah. enjoy yeah I'm, I'm definitely there's no new movies out in the cinema so he's going back into the catalog <laughs> yeah it's, it's given me time to see some films i've never seen before which is nice yeah. But The Bridge of the River Kwai, I loved Lawrence of Arabia, and I don't think I'd ever seen another David Lean film. So I wanted to have a look at one. 
had heard great things about this and watched it. And while I do think it's a great piece of art, I have many issues with the pro British slant that is given throughout the film. I found mm. parts of that very difficult to watch, but there are elements of it where they challenge that idea as well, but I could have used a bit more of it to uh, stomach parts of it because there's a lot of, we will show these Japanese how a British person will build a bridge. Oh, God. God. Off, off, off. <laughs> <laughs> so, Isn't Zulu a bit like to, that? Apologies to any uh, any of our British uh, listeners, but um, it's a sensitive issue for Irish people sometimes. Yeah. All four of those people are going to be vastly uh, unimpressed with your <laughs> take on this. Uh, but um, the, so I'd, I'd recommend it. It's very long. It's about yeah. two hours, 45 minutes. Yeah. But if you want to see Obi-Wan Kenobi before he was Obi-Wan uh, win his Oscar for a performance, it's this one. Yeah. He, he is great in it. Uh, the only the only other thing I've been doing is um, I, I this was not pre planned. This was I did not mention this to the guys before coming on because I wanted this to be authentic. But Raymond, I've been listening to a certain podcast recently called SideQuest Heroes. Oh yeah, it's, and, it's a great uh, podcast. You should actually. Um... <laughs> yeah, it, it, this is my point. The heap of shit that's this podcast in comparison to that one. <laughs> The, we, the production hey. quality, the production quality, <laughs> the banter, the, the, hey. the, there's, a running, there's a running order that, that works every time. But you know, the, the reason for that is I have a more professional co-host. <laughs> Clive basically handles all that stuff. So Clive, if so you're is, listening, is thank you very much. to for, join the pod, another podcast? No? Do you want him to take the, over this? <laughs> Clive, drop my seat for take over from these ungrateful uh, louts. <laughs> <laughs> but I, w- I would I would recommend I've, I've enjoyed listening to a few episodes I would recommend people listen yeah yeah so um, if those aren't listening I have a gaming podcast with a friend of mine called uh, Clive Cookson uh, called SideQuest Heroes it basically just chatting about video games news and what we're playing kind of a similar idea to this kind of podcast but just more in the world of video games um, Clive Cookson does all the kind of production on so that's why it sounds a lot better <laughs> So you can gladly blame me for how shit this podcast is. I heard my name mentioned during the uh, discussion about Alien. Uh, yeah. Alien, by the way. I did not only play it for 10 minutes. I played it for an hour and then decided it was too scary. <laughs> Look, well, an hour is like 10 minutes in game life. True. Very true. I, I've only ever watched YouTube videos of that game. That's as close as I'll get. Too much. Yeah. That, even that's too much. Uh, what about you, Rob? What have you been watching recently? Yeah, so paltry list in comparison because I've only got one movie as opposed to Ed's uh, arm length two? list. Two? <laughs> Three um, movies? Oh, only two. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then I listen to your podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's like still a, movie, a lot. That's a lot of uh, <laughs> media consumption. Um, I watched a movie called Midnight Run, which is uh, starring Robert De Niro and the dad from Beethoven. Um, so it's like planes, trains, and automobiles, except Robert De Niro is a bounty hunter, and mm. the dad from Beethoven is obviously his bounty. Um, it's quite good. Yeah, it's good fun. Um, very 80s. Actually, when I was listening to it, it was, the score was done by Danny Elfman. What? That's such an, yeah, right? It's such an 80s score with like the electric guitar going through it the whole way that it really made me think of Lethal Weapon. And then is it like, like solo electric guitars and weird bands like bow, bow, yeah just like all these funny hits there's there's more orchestra like a little not so much orchestra but there's more padding to it yeah it's like just little weapon the way because that was eric clapton um but so 80s hmm. uh, it's a good movie yeah i'd well recommend it if you just want something kind of light it's fairly long for a comedy it's like just over two hours i think um the actor renaissance because of the because of the pandemic so I know a lot of people that, especially at the start of lockdown, start were just saying, "Oh, we're watching Midnight Run." So it's it's on Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> every, yeah, I know, I know about four or five people that have said, "Oh, yeah. watch Midnight Run." Yeah, mm. it's a movie I'd heard about ages ago, and I was like, "Yeah, I must watch that." And then I saw it on Netflix. It's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll add that to my list and watch it." Yeah, I've heard um, the name knocking around, but like I've, I knew nothing about it. But uh, would you recommend it? Like, would it be something I'd be into? Yeah, it's a fairly light comedy. You know, it's. Um, mm. Do you remember? Beverly Hills Cop. Boop, 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 boop. And there's Hell like yeah. the, two, the, the two straight cops. Yeah. One, the Baldy straight cop plays another bounty hunter who's just, oh. who's like the comic relief almost, but he's very good. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. 
it's not Buster Blazing Teen World, but yeah. Have you ever seen? Um, this is a bit of a tangent. Have you ever seen the movie Tough Guys? No. With uh, Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to Google this. It's um, ba, ba, ba. it's about these two old convicts. They basically robbed a bank back in like the 60s or something, and they got put away for it. Um, it's a 1986 film featuring Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas, and like they're basically two old gangsters who let out of prison because they did their time and then straight away tried to pull off another heist. <laughs> it's just it's actually just fucking hilarious. But I don't know why it just reminded me of like an old movie that people should go back and revisit. Um but they're very funny in it. Cool. I must add that to my list. Yeah I need How to watch right? those. Um uh, me, I look honestly I haven't had much time this week to watch anything new. Um the I obviously I watched uh, Men in Black on Friday night, um, but then on Saturday night I watched. Uh, sorry, that was Thursday night. Friday night or Saturday night I watched the new DC animated movie, uh, Superman: Man of Tomorrow. Um, it's I think it's basically it's the do you know how the DC animated movies have recently have all been kind of like the new Fifty Two stories. Yeah, this is now the new kind of batch of films that they're going to be bringing out so it starts off with superman so it's the it's following superman when he was living on kansas um moving to metropolis like the i think they're all original takes so it's not like pulled from the comics or the comic storylines um and this one it basically lobo comes to earth and it's it, the art style is very weird it's very kind of um uh somewhere between like the, the anime and uh Venture Brothers. Yeah. Oh, that's strange. Yeah, it's like really thick uh, drawing lines, and like the drawing lines aren't consistent the whole way through. So it'll be thick up here, but then we thin down here. But it works really well. It looks beautiful, and it's animated really well. Um, check it out. Like it's. I, I think I actually did. I message you guys Saturday night after I watched it, or Friday night. No, oh, I did. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah, you recommended it. Did not get that. Did not get that message, Eddie. <laughs> Just admit it. I've had a few drinks. <laughs> you son of a. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely really good. Um, I would highly recommend it. It's, yeah, if, if the new movies are going to be like this, and there's some really cool Easter eggs in it, like there's a Batman Easter egg, um, there's hints at other heroes, uh, Martian Manhunter's in it, and, and he, he's actually brilliant in it. Um, yeah, check it out. Yeah, I do want to watch it, and I do like that they've moved away a little bit from the animation style that we've had for the last 10 or so years. Mm. It's nice and refreshing. And um, I know that next year, I think we're getting parts one and two of The Long Halloween, which I'm very excited for. So I will, yeah, so I will look forward to watching the new Superman film. Yeah, yeah. Oh, also, we should say in in that vein, that might be one to do for the podcast, who knows? But the Scooby-Doo versus Scarecrow film is coming out in a couple of weeks. Really? Maybe even next week, yeah. The Scooby-Doo is taking on Scarecrow from Batman, which is wonderful. Brilliant. I assume there's going to be a Batman cameo of some kind. You'd imagine so. You'd imagine so. They'll unmask Batman. (laughs) Scarecrow will be Batman. God, would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for that Bruce Wayne. I mean, oh, Batman. (laughs) It was Batman under Bruce Wayne's mask. (laughs) Why would you wear a mask over another mask? (laughs) Yeah, cool. Sure. um, That kind of wraps up what we've been watching. So we'll get into the main topic of the show. Men in Black 3. The way we're kind of starting this off is we'll just do a general overall thoughts and we'll be moving into spoiler territory. But don't worry, you will hear our trademark klaxon before we enter into murky waters of spoilers um so yeah overall guys like what'd you think it was uh better rewatching. i enjoyed it as much as i did the first time mm. i actually appreciated some elements I, I appreciated some elements more and i i thought some parts of it had dated poorly yeah but Same. overall yeah overall i think i had a as good an experience as i did the first time around um i i did not appreciate how wonderful jermaine clement is as yeah. uh, as boris the animal i did not appreciate the first <laughs> time he's so funny he hams the roll up so much it's fantastic 
there's there's definitely a Tim Curry vibe going on with his performance, I think. It is actually. It's a little bit um Dr. Frankenfurter or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very uh it is very ham handed. <laughs> uh, no, Britain can hold me. <laughs> the part that is a little, probably by this point where he's talking to himself and he's giving out to me, I'm not you, I'm better. I have an extra arm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking at this arm where it's gone and he's talking to his lecturer about something. He goes, Stop looking at my arm. <laughs> Stop looking at it. <laughs> it has my it has my favorite story of the three Men in Black films. Yeah. yeah, it's. I think it's a much better sequel to the first one than the second for various reasons, but the main one is that it actually tries to do something different. Mm-hmm. All the second one was it was is a reverse of the story from the first film. Yeah, it was like and, yeah, and I guess the one of the, the the couple of criticisms I'd have is one not enough Tommy Lee Jones in it, but that kind of the story is kind of that's what it's meant to be and some of the cg is pretty terrible at times uh yeah there's there's especially a scene where i think uh, is it the first scene where will smith is jumping off the skyscraper and you get vibes of agent smith from the matrix exactly what i thought watching it it's like this is the rubber (laughs) neo syndrome it's like it looks like ps2 like cg graphics or something yeah yeah, it was pretty exactly. poor. I think with Men in Black 3, it's it's a great time that's well made, well acted, has great characters, a good villain, and it keeps you engaged for the hour and 45 minutes of its runtime. And I don't think you could ask for, for what the franchise is and what it's trying to be. I don't think you could ask for a better third and more than likely final installment because they never made a fourth film no, in any, no, in any no, shape or form no it's, there was no never made Men in Black any... International um, no that, that would be a silly idea yeah oh, no it would be a great idea if it's done right imagine they did a really good another Men in Black movie <laughs> that'd be cool well, the, remember the idea was that they were going to this is a little it's not off topic they, they were originally going to do a 21 Jump Street meets Men in yeah. Black film yeah I don't know that that would be good though. But uh, yeah. Okay, so I have a slightly different point on this movie, which is when I started watching it, I don't know if it was because I've watched too many Marvel movies and things over the last few years, but it's like my brain couldn't engage that it was supposed to be a comedy, comedy sci fi. Mm. That was like, oh, this isn't very serious. (laughs) And then suddenly it's like, oh, right, it's actually supposed to be a funny movie. Not, I'm not saying it wasn't, not saying it, the comedy wasn't landing for me, but just something in my brain completely forgot that I'm watching a non-serious sci-fi movie. And then mm. once I got into it again properly, I could get it. Um, but I think, are we missing something like that these days? Like it's been eight years since Men in Black 3, right? Has yeah. there been a comedy sci-fi since? It's been nothing. They, I mean, you'd expect them to have made another sort of Men in Black, even if it was a spin-off, but they just haven't. They yeah. haven't gone down that road for whatever reason. I think uh, historically, Eddie, you said that they were going to do a crossover with um, was it Twenty Two Jump Street? Yeah, and it just just didn't happen. That would have uh, been a great idea. I'm 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 okay with them not doing another Jump Street film. The two are great. Same. You don't need yeah. them to water it down anymore. But the second one was so funny in its stupidity of like acknowledging so much that it was the exact same movie. Mm. That it's very hard to do a third one. I think. Yeah, but I know I think... what you mean, Rob. Like even the even Star Trek, where the new TV series have come out, they there was always a little bit of campiness that went with Star Trek in Star Trek yeah. Next Generation and Voyager, mm-hmm. etc. We don't get that now because they've nearly over complicated it with having a run through of a storyline through the whole season. Yeah, but then it makes so be serious. A certain tone. Yeah, yeah. And when it's not serious, it's real. Disney comedy, like you end up with characters yeah. like Tilly or something like that, like where it's just like slapstick comedy characters. Like this isn't comedy. Mm. Yeah. So we are yeah. we are missing the Men in Black sort yeah. of film out there at the moment. I think. I mean, something like um, Orville is kind of for TV that kind of tongue in cheek sci fi comedy, but it's actually evolved into what Star Trek probably should have been. Um, 
but yeah, no, you're probably right. Uh, we are missing that type of humor. I guess like audiences are kind of getting a little bit of superhero fatigue. Like even me being a big fucking superhero fan, I'm even getting a bit bored of it. Well, it's, I think Men in Black fits into that superhero genre. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's You're wrong. Opinion, but wrong. <laughs> but it is though. Wrong. Like they are, they are basically superheroes, right? In this kind of yeah. fantastic. There's as much world. superheroes as Black Widow is. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> cocking her gun. Her hot guy. He's just a bow and arrow, man. Um, so, what did you think of it, Ray? Your initial thoughts? Um, I I absolutely love this movie. Like this, this is one of those weird gems that the sequel is almost better than the original. Um, I dare say some parts of this movie are still better than the original. Um, but like Will Smith's character feels like he's a proper sequel character. Obviously, Tommy Lee Jones has aged many, many years since the first movie. So his performance can feel a little bit um, lethargic, I, I felt. Um, but look, the, the man's fucking, I guess he was in his 70s at that point. So, you know, he's every right to be. Um I thought like some of the the other casting and obviously Emma Thompson was great as oh um one of the pussycat dolls was the oh that actually yeah the, the way this movie opens is is fantastic um, well let's 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 go into yeah. that in a second. but that, that's what I was saying yeah so one of the pussycat dolls obviously plays the the girlfriend at the start Lily um and you can't fault Bill Hader as Andy Warhol aka Agent W <laughs> yeah. That was great. That was brilliant. By the way, Tommy Lee Jones was 65 doing this. 65? Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I was actually film, filming it. He was probably 64. All right. Um, yeah. I, just on the Bill Hader thing, um, did any of you keep an eye on all the background insinuations of aliens? Do you know the way, like the, the carry on they had from the first movie? of the big giant screen in the men in black office that would show yes. them monitoring the aliens. And one of them, when they were back in the sixties was Richard Nixon. Mm-hmm. Really? Like just a little, yeah, I'm, I'm 99% sure there was just a yeah, little yeah, bit of footage it... of Richard Nixon. Yeah. Cause they actually have um, some of the, um, at the time there would have been recent, like big stars, like uh, Lady Gaga, I think is in it at one point. Yeah. Um, where they're saying like Lady Gaga and then underneath her was actually Lady Gaga. And then there was another person, I think it might've been like uh, Justin Bieber, but then it had his alien name underneath. So it's funny that Lady Gaga's alien name was actually Lady Gaga. <laughs> 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 uh, so I, I did love that. I always loved the Men in Black building being almost like an airport terminal where people are being like filtered through. Um, oh God, are we gone again? No, we have you back. We're back. Oh, sorry. Uh, for those not... Um, where we're kind of having some issues with recording today. Um, but anyways, yeah, I always loved the Men in Black building when it felt almost like a customs import pound kind of thing. Yeah. It, it always felt funny, like when aliens are being held up, like, oh, I'm, I'm hiding nothing, I'm hiding nothing. Well, what about your other six arms? And all the other six arms would go up. It's like, oh! You know, and then... one of the costume and uh, design choices I loved in this movie was that when Will Smith goes back to the 60s in the Men in Black office, yes. all the aliens look like they're from the 60s. Yeah, 1960s B-movie aliens. Yeah. I said that to Trish as well. I was just going, did you notice like, all the aliens look like really bad B-movie yeah. aliens? And you the kind of think, oh, that's terrible. what they... That's what the movies looked like because that's what the current aliens look like. Yeah, <laughs> but it was kind of interesting to n- think that alien fashion has changed in the last like fifty years. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's my such god! A nice touch. Yeah. yeah, no, th- this movie was fantastic. I I, I really enjoyed having uh, to watch this movie for this podcast. To be honest, um, no, um, I know Ed said. You know, the lack of Tommy Lee Jones does affect it. And I think he's right because that dynamic with Will Smith was great in the first one. And it still worked well in the second one too. Um, but Josh Brolin puts in such good performance. Oh, <laughs> like Jesus, yeah. That moment in the car when Will Smith looks and goes, what age are you? It's like 29. Yeah. It's like, you got some city miles, yeah. you? <laughs> I love that. I <laughs> no love way, Josh Brolin, yeah. 29. I love that they explain that. Or they, they try and make a joke out of the fact that Josh Brolin's trying to play it. 29 year old k um, it's but like it's believable because uh k is such a grizzled dude that you'd believe he just looks like that forever but then i love the reason that he comes back and he quips back and he goes he goes you know i'm beginning to understand why we don't talk yeah. much <laughs> but i love that i'm i have um i have imdb trivia over uh, up here and mm. some of these you know you can question but um one is when young agent k first appears he says we'll take it from here and that is the first line said in Men in Black by Kay. 
which is cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice yeah. little tie-in. Yeah. Um, a wee little, um, uh, I guess, the Easter egg or gem, but um, this is just going off wiki, but I don't know how true this is, but I, reading it, it, it makes sense with what I saw from the movie. But this is the first Men in Black movie that doesn't have the talking pug. Mm-hmm. However, the scene where Will Smith goes back and he visits like the fair ground uh in the background they have all the people who are appearing at the circus and it just says the amazing talking pug mm. there's so he is actually easter egg. in the movie what there's another easter egg in will smith's apartment he has a painting of yeah him. he does yes yes yeah. so uh, did the actual dog die i t- my I'd guess would be so. the actual dog yeah died. i mean they yeah. could they could I have gotten another pug. pug like uh yeah did the talking pug die <laughs> <laughs> they could, they could yeah, there was the actual talking pug. <laughs> There's only one of those. Can't replace the talking pug. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess look at for we're uh, kind of over the general thoughts and overview. We are now venturing into spoiler territory. You've been warned. Boing, boing, boing. So, can I have a nitpick at the start? Yes. Um, did they ever explain why Will Smith remembers Agent K and nobody else does? Yeah, um, they do. That, they do. Yeah, yeah. I think they no, do. Because all I remember is um, that dude who gives them the time travel devices. Oh, you were there. You got to tell me all about it, and that's it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. Because he was at he he was at a um, paradox in history, so he's able to remember it because he was actually there at the incident. Yeah, as a as a kid. Paradox. Okay. Like so, so he, he when he went back in time, he was actually at the point where he existed. I I think that's what it got. I look, we've discovered from time travel movies that you can't really question yeah. the rules <laughs> of time travel too much. It wasn't that clear to me. Now, okay, let, if you want to get into questioning time travel stuff, I like how they can kind of gloss over it with the Michael Stuhlbarg character, who's our tie-in from Arrival, by the way. Yeah, Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah played, that's what I was saying last time. Actually, who plays uh, that Arcanian alien. With the yeah. arclet in his head. Um, uh, what's, what's his name again? Because, uh, Griffin. Yeah, because if you just say, "Oh, do you know the way he sees infinite possibilities mm-hmm. all the time?" That you don't get that butterfly effect. Because okay, Will Smith went back in time, and all he's supposed to do is save Agent K. But he like robs cars, beats people up. He does loads of shit that would have minor consequences on time. Yeah. But if you take it from the point of view of Michael Stuhlberg's character, that all that stuff's supposed to happen. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That fixes the timeline in the way it's supposed to go. Unless it's the timeline where that cupcake was left there. <laughs> I do like that. It's gets ridiculous, um, but I quite like that character. Yeah, I like him as well. Think think like he, he puts in, he's another yeah. one that puts in a great performance. Um, so from the top, synopsis-wise, I guess, right, so it kicks off with... Uh, by the way, feel free to jump in and, and carry the, the progress of the movie if, if I'm kind of laboring on it a bit too long. But there's a great uh, breakout scene at the start so like the whole time you're seeing this uh <laughs> earth woman visit this supermax prison and basically sneak in the equivalent of nail file in a cake um the nail file being his little um creatures that live in the palm of his hand yeah some of the always some bit... of the creature design work in this is great like the, yeah. it's gross in parts of it and uh, the the little things that stab everyone and live in his hand are, uh, and even the the way his hand opens up to allow it in. Oh is yeah, gross. <laughs> it's horrible. But especially oh, when they're God. sitting in his hand and his hand is petting them, but it's like little fingers in the center of his palm. <laughs> yep. I was like, oh, you know, when I watched this movie first, I knew Jermaine Clement was in it, and I knew who he played, but he just seemed so unrecognizable. Yeah, yeah, the costume and the. The prosthetics and everything are so good, and his mm. acting is so like crazy. Um, yeah, he's so yeah, good. like his, his the vocal inflection he chooses is just like really unusual. Like he talks really high and then he goes low. I do not know what you are saying. <laughs> it's all <laughs> yeah. basic. That's great. Um, but yeah, that whole breakout scene, like then you oh, we, uh, realize that exactly. We talk a little bit yeah, about kiss. Oh, oh Jesus! Yeah, oh, the, it is in- incredible. The literal tongue down the throat yeah. kiss uh, that he gives uh, Nicole. Sure. Uh, I'm going to butcher this surname is Scherzinger yeah. uh, from a. I think Pussycat Dolls is what yeah. the music troupe she's from. Um, music troupe. <laughs> <laughs> 
75 year old man. There's no music troupe. She's in one of those music troops, ain't she? <laughs> and when with all the dancing girdles. Um but yeah, no, that that's that kiss is um stomach turning. Um then it turns out that like she was smuggling in uh his little hand creatures inside the cake. So I guess he was immobilized, like they were taken out of his body when he was put through this prison. Um the, the but I think it drives home like very early on how much of uh, a prick Boris is. Like this lady literally risked everything to get into the fucking prison to break him out, and he just lets her get sucked out into space. Yep, yeah. <laughs> what a massive asshole! It's a, it's a it's a great introduction to the character. I I did like because I'd kind of forgotten a lot of the movie that I nearly expected her to be his sidekick for the for a large portion of it, you know, helping him back into society and, you know, showing him what's new in the world that wasn't there when he initially mm. went into the prison. And now he's just such a dickhead, he just lets her die. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I guess with the way... Was a... Sorry, go on. No, I just I wonder, was it kind of a fake out? Because, like, I guess at the time she would have been... She still is fairly famous, but I think at that time, like, the Pussycat Dolls were, like, internationally famous. Um, I wonder, is it kind of akin to uh, Drew Barrymore's um, casting in Scream, where you kind of go, oh, this is a big name person. Like, they're not going to die off right here. So that comes as even more of a shock for the audience when you're watching, kind of going, holy shit, yeah. you want dead? Yeah. Good point. I guess that's a classic thing, even going back to Psycho. So, mm, yeah, sort of yeah. Playing in that trope. Um, but then uh, what happens? Fucking blah, 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 blah. We kind of jump to was it jay and k just having their normal kind of like banter and kind of seeing what the hell's going on um we're at the oh, funeral we're at the funeral for zed, zed. yeah and the yeah. very impersonal eulogy that k gives uh, kind of uh, you know it, it, it reintroduces to who the character is because it's been quite a long time since we've seen them um it's a, it's mm. a good way of showing you that this guy is emotionally very cold even though he probably doesn't see himself like that because when he sits down and he says well he was a he was a good man even though he'd given like the worst eulogy he thought it was good <laughs> yeah but he's supposed to be of... that, like cowboy kind of guy who's just super stoic i guess mm, mm. um then i mean like yeah the, so they kind of kick on they go on and just another mission um and they end up in this like uh, Asian restaurant, I, I think it is investigating some sort of parasitic worm. Where I think, like, obviously, the alien restaurant is uh, serving alien food to humans where they shouldn't be. Um, I, I found the portrayal of the. Uh, granted, the actor is Asian, so I'm, I'm sure they knew what they were signing up for. But it was very uh, <laughs> stereotypical, dodgy Asian restaurant. Um, I found that a yeah. bit kind of like of its time and I was kind of like oh whoa you wouldn't kind of see that type of scene again it reminded, 48 years ago but it yeah it reminded me a little bit of the the Chinese restaurant owner in South Park who's not actually from China but he's under some sort of spell isn't it that he's, un, he's under some sort of spell and when he breaks out of it you'd actually you actually find out that he's just a white American male <laughs> really? yeah <laughs> I do I remember that yeah that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shitty walk. Shitty walk. Shitty walk, yeah. Um, but again, some um, of the creature designs in this, like the the white blob with the eyes and the mouth and the nose that, that they're, yeah, that they're going to cook, I laughed so hard at that because it actually reminds me of a fish that is real. It looks... Yeah, I think that's the, the idea. It's a blob fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. But it's like the blob fish is like, this is actually an alien fish. Um, I thought <laughs> the scene where he picks up the little weird, cute lobster baby thing and he's slapping him around the face <laughs> with this thing. I'm like, leave the bloody little, little lobster thing alone. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you kind of get this feeling that Jay, or is it, no, sorry, Kay kind of knows something's wrong and he knows that Boris has escaped and he kind of knows what he's going to do. Um, so he's obviously acting a bit defensive and he obviously knows the outcome of the whole mission and what's supposed to come. Um, but I thought the the way that he kind of, 
well, actually, no, uh, dial it back a bit there. The scene in the restaurant where he started noticing all the people around who were actually aliens in that restaurant. So, like, at first you don't catch it, but you see, like, the guy holding the newspaper has claws for hands. And then there's a guy, you know, drinking the duck sauce straight from the tray. Yeah, um, gross. I love stuff, stuff like that, like, where it's him sitting down noticing these things without anyone really kind of drawing attention to it. Yep. I did, um, I loved kind of the the climax of that scene as well, of just the kind of stereotypical men in black trope of how do you explain away all these crazy situations? Yeah. <laughs> and Will Smith's just like, do you know the way, you know, your son or daughter comes home from the carnival with a goldfish and you're like, oh, that's nice. And then you flush down the toilet. This is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I did find that actually very good. Um, I'm glad they didn't labor too much on the neuralizer because um, that was a big comedy trope for the first movie. And in this one, it's kind of look, we can't explain away this thing. So we're just going to have to use it and then move it on. Um, I, but we'll get on to the other neuralizers in the yeah. later movie. Um, so I guess from there, we know that um, Boris is, or at least has uh, obtained the time device. And we see kind of K fade into obscurity then. Um, that scene where he actually disappears is pretty good because like you can see, especially when he rings Jay on the phone and he's after kind of telling him to, you know, go, you're suspended for X amount of weeks. And he knows the reason why he can't tell him, but he, and that's what's killing him and chewing him up inside. Cause to him, all this whole story has been passed and he knows what's to come. So like the fact that it's hurting Jay and Jay can't thinks that he's basically not telling him, I doesn't respect him enough. He's like, this isn't, that isn't the whole story. Like you can't, you don't understand. Um, I thought that was quite nice. It was very sentimental and obviously pays off at the end of the movie as to why it's so sentimental. Um, yeah, it, it, it you works got... for a repeat viewing as well that way because you see mm-hmm. you see the build up a little bit more and you understand the context. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the transition then, obviously, um, after the amazing scene where Kay pulls the gun from his uh, <laughs> armory behind the fireplace, which is again in itself fantastic. Um, you see that really cool, like I always love it when time travel movies do this, where they show the present being rewritten. So sometimes they do it like it's something just fades out. Sometimes they do it something just pops out. But this actually did it in a real kind of weird. It looked like a nebula kind of changing things slowly, like it was still kind of deciding what was kind of overwriting. And then obviously it shows a, a mother with her kids um, living in the apartment. Um, I guess that this is probably where the first kind of issue you probably had, Rob, with why can Jay remember Yeah, I, just, I don't know that it's well explained. I don't care that it isn't. Um, it doesn't really matter, but it's just one of those things of they bring it up, but I don't think they resolve it that well. Mm. Because, like, Jay, okay, we can skip forward a little bit, I guess, because eventually Jay gets the time device and has to go back, save Tommy Lee, Jones. I was going to say I do like um, that the, the uh, for as, because we're talking about time travel um it, through, through a series of films I like that this one shows how it can affect you in different ways so the yeah. fact that he's obsessed with having chocolate milk I was like yeah. oh yeah there, there, <laughs> I'm sure there would be like something physical that is going to affect you in a certain way I have a I have a really good point on that um I pause do you know when Will Smith's in the guy's pawn shop. Yes. And he's he sees the book of uh, the time travel log. Mm. Um, I actually paused it on that and read all the entries. Mm-hmm. Um, not that interesting. Nerd! Sometimes there's really good Easter eggs in that, right? <laughs> there, there wasn't any amazing ones, but it was like check-in, check-out times, basically. Of, like, yeah. This guy travels this time and he came back here and then the checkout entry is always like the symptom you had after time traveling so it was stuff like you know grew six inches of hair all over my body <laughs> stuff like that really like horrible horrible stomach cramps <laughs> yeah yeah it's all all these symptoms like you were saying and i like that because you don't time- get that a lot in time travel movies you get you kind of get a you know they're affected emotionally mm-hmm. but you never see like a yeah. physical ramifications of having travel through time um another one other thing we should mention before we move on to the actual going back in time is the introduction of emma thompson who's great As yeah who's great in her in her small role but and she's also the one tie-in with the 
fourth film that was never made. Yes, that uh, fourth film that was never made. She'd be really good in a fourth she movie. Would, yeah. If it was any good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the, the whole scene of getting the time device. So Will Smith's character, Jay, visits this pawn shop, which I guess, right, the, the other uh, co- point on that is that that pawn shop guy can obviously remember everything as well. So I'm guessing because he created the time device, he obviously has some sort of nullifying device that he's not affected by changes. How the hell does that work? I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> it just does. <laughs> he works in an electronic shop, so I'm sure he's yeah. cobbled something together. Like his, As long as he stays in that shop, he's unaffected by time. I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, I thought the, um, the the version of the time-traveling device reminded me of that scene from Time Cop again. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I was going like, all right, yeah, gotcha. Um, but I did like the whole idea that it's called a time jump. <laughs> you know, you actually have to jump. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, was kind of funny. It's a very kind of Men in Black style joke. Um, yeah, no, that was that was very enjoyable, and that that's a. This is where the CGI lets itself down a little bit because it's it's. it's I don't know. Superman from the seventies looks better than this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I have such mixed ideas on this. Like Will Smith in that scene looks terrible, but the visuals and the design of it's really cool. Of him yeah. literally like falling through time. I love that. I see the dinosaur scene. That's so cool. But he looks. Uh, exactly as Ray was saying, the rubber Neo syndrome. Yeah, he just looked like a rubber doll that was just yeah. like uh what what do you call that physics? Is it ragdoll physics just kind of thrown off a exactly. building? Exactly. Yeah. Um one thing I did kind of like and also kind of pulled my collar but whoa uh was the the stock market crash guy it jumping was yeah. the time cop again. God. I know, but I was that's what I was thinking. They should have had Jean-Claude Van Damme in that scene. Oh my god, they should have literally had the scene from Time Cup play out. Um but I was there going, Jesus, that's a bit fucking <laughs> you know. That um, lad is not that lad is not stopping two meters before the ground. No, no, no. Um I thought that was great. I I I was indifferent to the whole dinosaur part where they end up in like prehistoric times and there's dinosaurs and pteranodons kind of flying around um i didn't mind that but yeah um i I could take it or leave it it didn't really bother me it didn't seem to add anything um i did like um (laughs) this actually just to, to dial back or drive back a bit when the pawn shop owner said to will smith going uh before he jumped, he was going, are you sure you want to go back? It wasn't very, you know, a good time for your people. Oh, yeah. I know this guy going, okay, yeah, right. I do <laughs> but, like um, that. Um, I think it does come later of the bit when Will Smith stopped by the cops. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get on to that now in a second. Yeah. Um, I like it was addressed yeah, because thought- to ignore mm. that, I probably could have been, the, the language probably could have been a, a little bit more um colorful no um explicit explicit but also i don't know your people isn't the, the best no phrase to use yeah um mm. uh but anyway the, i i appreciate the sentiment that they needed that they should have addressed that it was a very different time for black people in america um well was it let's not get political but um yeah. it, it, i think it was necessary to to address because yeah, it was, yeah. it's Will Smith playing the character going back into the 60s. So. Yeah, and I think they, they look, it's as for a sci-fi comedy, there, there's enough comedy and serious parts that highlight it that make it necessary. Like, for example, when it, when he's back in time and he's taking the... He obviously ends up at the top of the building again when he's um, back in the 1960s. And he has to take the lift down from the top to the bottom. And the, the guy in the lift is instantly threatened by him, purely because he's a tall black man. And he's trying to read the newspaper, and the guy's like cowering against the wall. He goes, "Yo, yo, do you say what day is it, or something like that?" Or yeah, he's like, "What, what date is it?" And the guy is like, "Sixteenth." Yeah, he yeah. And he's like, "What month? The of September? A year? Come on, a year? Nineteen sixty nine? Okay." <laughs> Look at um, me like I'm crazy. 
yeah. Uh, and I did did also like the fact that Will Smith leaned into the whole like obviously they were going to think he was a bellboy for the hotel, so he used that to his advantage. So it kind of, I guess it kind of showed that he he understood um, the kind of roles or, or jobs that African Americans would have had at that time. Like there would have been kind of more service and service level kind of jobs. Um, and he even plays up to it. I think he puts on kind of a um, kind of like a pseudo kind of southern accent when he picks the guy's car, doesn't he? I don't remember. I think he goes, yes, sir, I'll drive the car, I'll have a ride around. I just thought it was quite opportunistic, I guess. Yeah. That, you know, he takes a good chance to get a car because was it New Jersey he needs to go to? I can't remember. But he basically... Um, so I get, we don't need to hit every single point in the movie, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah, Roman, the fabulous, the alien ends up getting murdered by mm. um, Boris, the animal. Yeah. Um, and Will Smith just misses saving him mm. because his whole idea was to, you know, basically catch Boris before he does that. And if he kills Boris there, then Boris can't kill, kill Kay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, he gets captured by Ben and Black. Mm. And, you know, I must say, like, the, the whole thing of him getting captured, Kay is really, like, just playing by his own rules and Men in Black. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, his boss was it ex or i can't remember whatever agent was his boss at the time it's like mm. just he just basically doesn't listen to it all <laughs> yeah it's like yeah it's like you're supposed to nebulize this guy yeah 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 <laughs> whatever he just pretends to do um, it i did like the the, the 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 prototype ne- uh neuralizer that they had which was basically like a giant fucking cat scan machine <laughs> yeah jesus <laughs> it was just a, a nice little story piece um and then obviously, like he 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 he's able to convince Kay that he's here for reasons, and he believes him enough to go out and try and stop Boris. Um, I'm trying to think where to go from there. The um, I was going to say I didn't want to bring. I don't want to go back and obviously cover everything, but we did also miss out on the small but very funny Will Arnett cameo. Oh yeah, 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 so, double A. yeah that was good fun just to see. Yeah. I I do like that. It's you know Will Arnett is so over familiar with will smith during the scene and will smith's very uncomfortable with mm. it. it's very funny i will say yeah. there's another little nitpick that i used to have with men in black that that scene kind of fixes as well um i don't know if they did it on purpose because people were kind of nitpicking but the idea that all the agents are only like a true z yes um he because he was agent double a or something wasn't he yeah Just agent a double letter yeah 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 so at least it says, okay, we don't just have that many agents working at one time. We've more than that. Yeah, uh, yeah I thought that was a very good um, kind of retcon to the whole no- numbering of agents. Um, what else? Uh, sorry, I'm kind of drawing a blank as to what happens then. It's they, they, oh, sorry, yeah, they they say he's um, he says something about a factory and they go to the bowling alley and uh, a great little scene where they p- pull that guy's head off and <laughs> do a bowling thing. Although I very much doubt, no matter how skilled of a bowler Will Smith no, may think, no. he's not making a 7-10 split with a real no. human head. He's, I don't think he'd even get it down the, the aisle, to be honest. <laughs> no. Or the alley, slipping. sorry. Um, um, yeah, there's no way. There's no way the head would go anywhere. But yeah, that, then we get to our Bill Hader scene in the yeah. factory. So Bill um, Hader in, in this movie is playing um, Andy Warhol, which is just a... Like a pseudonym for himself while he's undercover, and yeah. and he's just like I love where he just says like these people are crazy. I'm running out of ideas. They're buying pictures of soup. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, run- I'm losing my mind. I'm painting pictures of cans. I like the double bluff as well. I can see like, oh, here we go, another alien, and he's actually just a guy. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Um, and of course, Bill Hader's just great and everything. He is. Yeah, and. and um, and then obviously this is the part where they encounter Griffin for the first time. The um, uh, dimensional alien. Yeah, so he this is a guy who can see uh, space time the same way that you could see whatever a movie start to finish at any point, so, but given multiple yeah. endings. So the, whole, the whole thing was um, Boris the animals alien race were like on a rampage path. They destroyed mm. is it two or three different alien races and their entire planets. Yeah. And Griffin was the last surviving member of his race and made it to Earth. And now mm. Boris's race were on their way to Earth. I like And Griffin has the Ark the Arknet, which will protect yeah. Earth from it. I really like the scene where they're in the stadium and he's 
That yes. Awesome. Yeah. That was so cool. And you just see him doing a, a kind of running commentary on an empty stadium and everyone like including myself was like, What's he mm. doing? This is this is yeah. a bit odd. And then, yeah. and then they have like this one little tiny box that they you can see his viewpoint of seeing that yeah he shares his ability with them like by yep. true touch or yeah and it's it, it, yeah that it's an cool. interesting way to show you how he sees and what his his um his view of time is that he he does mm. see everything all at once and you can see that he at this time in another dimension he's watching a, a, a game of um baseball and i i just saw on again on imdb trivia that uh shea stadium which appears in Men in Black, had to be recreated through CGI for this film as the stadium was demolished in 2008. Wow. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. fair play. Um, um, go on. No, no, you go ahead. Um, I was just trying to think where we are. I I, I mean, at this point, I guess they, they this is where Boris kidnaps um, Griffin. At least he, like, he's trying to kidnap him and take the Arknet off him. And Griffin obviously hides it, and then they head back to MIB um, headquarters. <laughs> For some reason, they just bring Jay back in, and he's just like, "I thought you were supposed to neuralize him." Just going, yeah, right. eh. he's he's still yeah, like just whatever, <laughs> just ignored. And they just get on these like rocket or jetpacks or whatever, which are supposed to be jetpacks, but just like fucking giant Daleks from Doctor Who or something. Um, I they still have to fly don't... them to Cape Canaveral to get the character <laughs> onto uh, Apollo Eleven. So they're flying from New York to Florida, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And I mean, that's the one thing again, right? Obviously, it's such a nitpick, and that's where I have to stop because it's not that kind of movie. Yeah. Um, if you were like get a helmet or something, right? Yeah, they don't even have goggles. The, the wind burn on your face would just be awful. Yeah. Like, uh, I can't. Was that? It was in The Simpsons, right? Um, when they're flying the Wright's Brothers plane. <laughs> And Sideshow Bob is like, ah, yes, or something like, ah, yes, what a grand way to fly. And Barry's like, you're getting lots of bugs in your face too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess, like, they arrive in, in Cape Canaveral, and for some reason, no one spots these two fucking rockets coming in on the day of a fucking really important uh, launch. The most important um, launch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and then I, I, I look. I, I'm supposed the story beat is there for comedy's sake. Um, the fact that Griffin tells them that the only way out of this is that you have to tell the truth, and so just to make it how ridiculous they have to say, "Well, we're government agents uh, designed to protect the Earth against alien threats." Um, yeah. So it's just kind Probably of funny to arrest. see that. But yeah. I did actually like in that scene where um, is it K has the first edition of the mobile neuralizer. Will Smith's like looking at me going, Yeah, 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 you know, I, I got this. I got this. <laughs> I do like um again to go back to when Will Smith is meant to have been neuralized. I like that no one questions the fact that maybe Tommy Lee Jones neuralized him a bit too much because the line Will Smith says is I put on my pants. Like, oh god, have, yeah. you, have you brain damaged this poor man? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, like the that's probably something that happened yeah. like you god knows that that has happened um but yeah that's um, it, it's a yeah that's a very funny scene and i like josh brown just plays it so straight it's very good mm. this is also where we see yeah. when we see the characters the general come up and see that these mm. people are here and shouldn't be here and and then Griffin touches the general's arm when they're about to all be arrested and shows him the the, yeah, yeah. the future and how and why this has to happen. Yeah. And it's I like the line so, after this where Will Smith um kind of says, Oh, everything's gonna be okay now. What what why are you not coming along? And Griffin says, uh, where death lives, there will always be death. Yeah. And then where there was death, there will always be death. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that was actually a pretty cool part. Um, yeah, then we get to basically the the showdown on the shuttle, which yeah, you know, it's it's grand. It's not my favorite bit of the movie, but but there are some really good bits in it. I um, did like the. Uh, <laughs> I, I like that. I liked um, the mechanic of that of Will Smith. Like, okay, let's just get shot and killed, but figure out what he's going to do first, and then go back in time and avoid it. Yeah, it was very edge of tomorrow. <laughs> it does it does make you wonder why he didn't maybe employ this tactic sooner. 
with but other he was just lucky that like, he shot that uh, barb through his chest and not his head. Well, this is one of the things like <laughs> um, I never really get right they, in all these movies to go back in time just a little bit before the thing that they're trying to stop or change. Yeah. Why not give yourself more time? Why not go back a week before or two or three days before? As yeah. opposed to, you know, that day or just the day before. Um, but yeah, it's fine. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I still liked it in this movie. Like, he gets shot. He, then he looks again, I guess, like Neo, avoiding these barbs coming at him. Mm. Um, it looks cool. And, oh, yeah, poor Boris, like the future Boris getting annihilated by the blasts of Apollo 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did like... Um... Um, just the fact that they kind of split up old Boris versus young Boris to kind of preserve the timeline a bit. So young Boris always had to face off against young Jay, and as long as older Boris was busy, young Jay would all or sorry, young K would always win because yeah. that's just the way that story played out. But because there was two Borises, he was dead a goner. Um, I'd like the reveal of how he lost his arm, which was yeah. he held on to a thing, and they, I thought it was going to happen in a much different way, like he blasted it off. Uh, but it's like he blasts a pipe that then burns him with liquid nitrogen and then he shoots it off. Yeah. Um, all like, those very similar to that scene in Time Cop. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I should, have, I should have said freeze. <laughs> um, then uh, obviously the, the really good bit where uh, Kay jumps on top of the capsule and puts the thing there and you see the astronauts inside going, if we say anything, they're going to scrub the lawn. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, what happens then? Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, I mean, like that. That whole scene itself was pretty good. Uh, obviously, the great little escape bit where they jump on the emergency um, zip lines for the Apollo missions. Yeah. So you just hop in, kind of like the basket, and kind of go all the way to the end. Really reminded me of James Bond that bit for some reason. Maybe just oh, really sixties look to it. Um. Yeah, it's like one of those kind of ski lift things you'd see in a Bond movie. Mm. Maybe I'm thinking of, uh, do you know the bit in one of them where Jaws is biting through the steel cable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was really good. And then, of course, we get um, Agent K talking to the general again, and young Boris mm. comes out of nowhere to kill him. Yeah. And the general saves his life. Uh, and then it's yeah. revealed, of course. That, uh, the general is Will Smith's dad. I could have done yeah. without the Will Smith saying where there's death there will always be death I was like we know that it was literally five or six minutes yeah, before it, this I don't need you it was already explained I don't need you I, I don't need you telling me that you're understanding what's happening just to show me anytime that happens I always feel like that's a producer's note yeah. or a studio note. Where they go, the audience isn't smart enough to know what yeah. this is supposed to yeah. be. You have to stick that reference in about three or four more times so they really understand it. Yeah. I did like the, the fact that young Boris then kind of goads him on because he's, he's convinced that Kay's destiny is to arrest him. So he goes, go ahead, do it. Um, and Kay just obviously turns around and goes, uh, this isn't, like, not this time. And he just shoots him and he just does that classic men in black exploding yeah. liquid <laughs> shot. Cool. Uh, do you know, arrest, arrest. I actually really like that, right? That to me ties into the reason he knew to do that was it ties into when he was about to neuralize Jay in the giant mm. neuralizer. And Jay, when Jay just kind of gives up and is like, when you see Boris tomorrow, kill him. Mm. Don't arrest him. And like that was what kind of convinced Kay that, okay, maybe this other guy's on something else because he's after giving up and just giving me instruction yeah so yeah that kind of put it in his head of yep yeah, that's more important just kill him yeah yeah um and then like as you were saying eddie the, the reveal that um the colonel is actually jay's father and then obviously k has to kind of get young um is it james is his actual yeah yeah james edwards is it i don't did he ever say his last name? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's James Edwards. Um, no, I don't know. I always thought it was James Edwards, like because uh, uh, he was a, like a, a cop or something. Um, but anyways, I'll let you guys look it up while I'm kind of uh, James Carroll Edwards the Third. Oh, there you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, like the the whole fact that K. I think this is the moment that kind of changes K to, to being kind of the grumpy old man. Yeah, the um, real taciturn stoic guy. 
And like, oh, like, oh my God, this guy like stuck his neck out of the line for me and just left his kid like orphaned because of my actions. Um, and then obviously, look, I, I, it's implied, I guess, that Kay has looked after James for the rest of his life. Or at least looked out for him in some way, yeah. Yeah, which is a bit of a funny one because it does tie back into, well, I, well I'll tell you what, we'll wrap up the, mo- the movie and then we'll kind of come back to that point. But um, obviously he jumps back in time, uh, meets old Kay then in a diner, and it's kind of, I guess, wrapped up that old Kay, because James now knows, or Jay knows everything now, that he, he can start bonding with him again. Yep. The scene where he comes out or- from the having gone back to the future, oh God, uh, and he's standing on top of the building, and you see the emotion in his face from what he's just seen. Yeah, and the yeah. and then you have it's uh, Alicia Keys, uh, New York. New York. Um, yeah. yeah, I remember when I watched that the first time, I was like getting a bit choked up. Yeah, that's oh, probably seen. Yeah, even when like, um, you see K, for me it was a bit. Kay going to the kid and like the kid asking, when's my daddy coming back? It's like, yeah, he couldn't even take stand and like walks away. Um, it's just, Oh, it's so emotional. And even you see Jay kind of about to run off and he's like, you know, James and he takes his hand again when they're walking away. It's just so sad. It's like, he can't tell him that his dad's dead. Yeah. I like but, that. They, I like yeah. that. They don't move into him kind of trying to explain it because that's not who that character is. He's a very stunted yeah. man emotionally, and he's not able to. He's not able to be the the parent that you know he probably should be at that point. But he's still trying mm. his best. So, yeah, and I get like okay, I have a bit of a nitpick as to why why didn't Agent K tell Will Smith eventually? Like why didn't why didn't that conversation ever happen? But I guess well, I because guess... of the time travel element, he couldn't. Yeah, and then there's the other element that. Obviously, he couldn't tell him as a kid because he no one's supposed to know about the Men in Black. You yeah, couldn't say, yeah. "Hey, your daddy was killed by an alien," because the whole thing of the organization is to wipe people's minds if they've any potential way to be find out all this alien stuff. Which kind um, of brings me back to like the whole thing of did he look out for him for his life, and was the reason he knew about him in Men in Black one? I know this is proper retconning, so but hypothetically. He didn't explain his relationship with him because he wanted to get into the Men in Black on his own merits, and he knew he was obviously good enough because he was in the Men in Black when he met him as a kid or when he was young. Okay, yeah. um, exactly as um, Ed said at the start of the podcast was this is a great sequel, and it's the same thing really good prequels do as well, mm. which is not just telling us a bunch of backstory that we didn't need to fucking know. It expands on the mythos that's already there, yeah. and it makes characters better. So they make the two the bond between those two characters even better because turns out Agent K's cared for him his entire life. If even if he didn't do anything directly, he still loved him. Or probably you know, even just looked out for him and just made sure he didn't get caught up in anything too bad. Yeah. Um I didn't even think yeah, about I mean, like, more that this film is actually like both parts a sequel and prequel. And it does both really well and it adds to so mm. I, I love when they I love one, as you're saying, Rob, when a sequel or a prequel does it so that when you go back to watch the original film, it's added something else to that film because you're you're seeing the characters in a slightly different light because they've been added upon later. It's great. It's it's how it's how it should be done, yeah. like you're saying. Like yeah, you could go back now and watch Men in Black One and think, Oh, you know, there's a whole extra story there that's kinda of cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's very fun. Yeah, it's it's uh definitely one of the better movies uh that we had to watch and review. <laughs> no Will Smith song. Very disappointing. I mean, can you in all good conscience in twenty twelve put in a nineties esque rap? <laughs> is this one what? of the best movies Will Smith's done in the last ten years? Yeah. Um I think it is. Because and he's a great actor, but he's just been in some really bad movies. One of last one while. of. He's done a few good films, but he definitely lost his Way was I Am Legend not around the same was, time? Was yeah, I really like that film. Yeah, was that, was that around the same time. I um, Am Legend, okay. no, after so that goes to show. Wow, uh, yeah, uh, I think the only film that he's the focus of after that's not a pun for his film focus. 
the only film that he's like a main character in that I think is up there with this would be Bad Boys for Life. And that's another really yeah. I haven't seen that, but I've heard literally like two years ago or something, wasn't this it? Year. This year. Yeah. Was it? Jesus. Fucking pandemic. Now I haven't seen Spies in Disguise, which I heard is a bit of fun, but the rest of them I've seen a good bit of his of his filmography since Men of Black Three. And yeah, mm. Rob, I think I think it's the best of the lot. Wow. Pity, isn't it? I really hope he gets um kind of Matthew McConaughey esque Renaissance or something. Yeah, I know that there was uh, rumors he was going to do a sequel follow up to Hancock, uh, which actually I I like that movie. Yeah, it's okay. The, I I really like it, but I, there's a podcast I listened to that had a really good point on it, where you stop caring about the character once he isn't a mess. Yeah. The premise is it's like, what if a superhero was just a drunken mess, and that's the fun bit, mm. and then he stops being a drunken mess, so it's like, eh, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, so that's uh, that's Men in Black 3 or Men in Black Squared, whatever way you want to read it. <laughs> uh, yeah, or Cubed, cubed yeah. isn't it? Cubed, yeah. I fail maths good. But yeah, if you guys are happy with that, we can wrap it up there. Um, we've been uh, Screen 17. This has been our review and thoughts on Men in Black 3. And join us next time. But also, remember, we do have an Instagram account, which is at screen 17 podcast where we have now officially two photos uh promoting Aaron podcast hey. but if you want to send us messages or dms there you can pop us a quick uh, message saying if you want to just cover a topic of any kind or if you disagree with something we say you can annoy our inbox there. Question, <laughs> and I'll, I'll be starting to update our facebook page as well as our, our new posts come up when we have put up arrival today as we speak mm. so i will be posting that onto the facebook page once we're finished recording here also we should um promote a little bit that we have a plan for october we, we, we don't yes, usually, not gonna have, be so ad we don't usually <laughs> have a plan for this podcast but we have a plan for what we're going to do throughout october and it's uh, it's fitting in with one the time travel team but also halloween or halloween coming up so yeah looking forward to that actually yeah um, try and do uh Hollow or horror teams time travel movies <laughs> yeah and it ought to be at least four it'll be um no no we have another we, so we're, we're doing two i think we might do more we'll see how yeah. our time is yeah but we also have a plan for um for some other halloween related uh specials yeah that'll be fun yeah perfect cool well uh thanks for joining us this week i've been ray i've been rob and i'm still adventurous emoji and we'll chat to you next time Good luck. All right.